Death Before Booze may discuss controversial or sensitive topics and is not appropriate for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. again at death before booze i'm sam i'm jen and you know just an actual big thank you we were looking at our spotify wrapped recently and there are like i know this is gonna be such a small number for like you know whatever but for us it's huge we have 13 people who we were their number one podcast for 2023 and it's great we started in october that's so awesome to me like that's so cool so I, like just a really big thank you I like reflecting on this year yeah. and everything that's gone on like this podcast for us is so much fun and we're glad that everybody is kind of enjoying it too <laughs> and well, at least you're pretending to enjoy it for us which is so much fun so thank you everybody mm. and thank you for all of your comments and your likes and always you know helping us on social media I don't think people don't like realize how much that really does help us in our algorithms it gets us in front of faces so i mean when we first started we had like a hundred impressions and now we have like three to four thousand impressions a week so that's all because you guys like and share and comment and that just means so much to us so thank you thank you thank you yeah and thank you again sam does has been doing amazing with the instagram stories i'm i'm just gonna say some of those stories are freaking phenomenal so and again like how do you know how do you not find most of them how do you not share them so we appreciate that like it's it's nice and we're and we're trying to keep it you know keep it all over the place but thanks guys because that's what we are yeah (laughs) so long story short Thank we appreciate you. everything. <laughs> we appreciate your support. We love you all so much. And thank you for helping us do this because this is yeah. something we just want to do. Yeah. And it's fun. And Okay. Now we're yeah. off the mushy shit. Yeah. We are going into a new year. Can we're all going to say goodbye to 2023, this shit can of a year. Um, some good things, some bad things. Towards, but you know what? Some good things, some bad things. Let's, let's shoot um, for a better. <laughs> 2024 we are wiping the slate clean we're starting over what are we doing for new year's what are we doing i'm hanging hanging out at your house (laughs) (laughs) so i'm hanging out at your house and getting drunk that's probably what we're doing (laughs) that sounds like what i'll be doing too in my yoga pants totally low-key but i will be getting drunk (laughs) and of course sam probably coming up with some bullshit stories that we're like hey this is an idea if we have to do and promoting the podcast. Out, as long as nobody pulls out a Ouija board, nope. it'll be a good party. Absolutely not. I don't even own one, so that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Yeah. No. My darling Jen. <laughs> love of the podcast, Jen. What are we covering today? What was our topic? Sam, you and I decided um, that I'm we excited. were going to do a Chicks Pick episode. Um, and Chicks I th- think this is a great thing because sometimes we go, not go off topic. That would be a little, you know, r- too right on Sometimes for us. we misunderstand the assignment on purpose. But sometimes we're like excited about stuff and we're like, we need to do this. And like, 
we're like, let's just let's just talk about it. So these are fun. And this was a lot of fun. Um, I listened to a lot of other podcasts for mine. I don't know about how you got your um, information, but I'm excited to share. Okay, well, I'm going to tell you all about how I got all my information Yay. right now because I'm going first, as yep, we yep, just yep, learned. Yep, yep. I, <laughs> again, uh, listen, I don't think anybody would notice. And then my husband was like, yes, they would have. So I'm like, Everybody's okay, okay. Notice. We figured it out. <laughs> okay. So I am covering because I feel my soul somehow was incorporate you ever just like connect with a time or a place and you're like something about this is me like it's somehow ingrained yeah so i am doing the john corwin house also known as the witch house in salem massachusetts yay i love salem I'm, I'm, yes i love salem <laughs> oh my god I, I get there and i'm like there's so many things to do that you're like I don't know where to look I don't know what to look at first you get overwhelmed and there's so many different things like it's not just the witches they have pirates yeah they have the whole Peabody Essex Museum which has nothing to do with witches it's just you know indigenous people culture and beautiful art yes and there are so many fantastic restaurants like I've been going to Salem for years and years and years and every time I go there like the restaurants the the entertainment everything it just it's the scales just going up up and up which is fantastic yeah did you so side note mm-hmm. did you yes. know that the peabody museum specifically does not hold any witch um exhibits because they don't want to they're like yes. we're over okay okay yes. <laughs> i read one of the books like, about it and i was like what the fuck why wouldn't you they're wanna... like there's so much more dedicated but there to that. is want to shine there is they just want to shine a light on the other amazing things that happen and i think there. that like the port itself the people who built it like yeah it's beautiful things, but... around there too oh. like if you go to the marina like it's the one time we were going to go we were going to do like a boat like marina type of tour but oh, we didn't get there so cool. it's great and the green gables tour with house you know, of the yeah, some, yeah, there it is. Green Gables. Oh, I added Green Gables, whatever. But, I think that's haunted by Nathaniel Hawthorne. Probably. Probably. Yeah. I've heard. <laughs> yeah. We'll cover that too. They're so amazing. There's such amazing things there. You um, recommend. Yeah, so. 10 out of 10, not, recommend. 10 out of 10. <laughs> yes. I, I do do a very loose, quick cover of the um, witch trials, but that that topic Jen and I can talk about for hours, days, yes. weeks. So we're really going to focus in on John Corwin, who he was, his family, his part of the witch trials, and then we're going to move right into the house and what happened to it. I'm excited. So if if you're kind of expecting a big, broad witch hunt and going into like each individual, that's not going to happen here. I'm very sorry. If that's something you guys do want to hear, please, you know, let us know on social media or email us, whatever. I have no problem digging into that for an episode or two, but this we're just going to stick with this one dude. And his house and how fucking creepy it is because I've been there a lot. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I love it. So Jonathan Corwin was born November 14th, 1640 in Salem, Massachusetts. He was one of five to George and Elizabeth Corwin. Um, George Corwin was one of the first settlers of Salem in 1638. He was a merchant and shipbuilder. His mm-hmm. wife was the daughter of the Northampton mayor. So she was already over here. Um, Jonathan continued in his father's footsteps. He grew a fortune in the mercantile trade. He is also the heir of the largest Puritan, of one of the largest Puritan fortunes in New England. 
Like, this guy what had bank. Like, they what? were fucking rich. Yeah. Um, February 11th, 1674, Corwin purchased a partially finished house in Salem from some other dude. <laughs> he was 35, and he lived there for 40 years. Like, damn. Um, also, what happened a few months later in 1674, he met and married Elizabeth, who was a widow, and started popping out eight children. Eight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight children. That woman was busy. Um, and I really feel bad for her vagina. So her the kids were Elizabeth, Sarah, George, John, Margaret, Anna, Jonathan, and Herbert. We have a John and a Jonathan. Go figure. I like the Herbert. Uh, Herbert. Herbert. Un- well, Herbert. don't get too attached to him because okay. uh, the last five of the Corwin children died. Most of them before 1692. And again, you know, back then you just it had happened. you had kids to try and keep on your family name. So you just had to keep popping them out until you couldn't anymore. And you just needed hands to help out around the house. Like, yeah. Really, I mean, you were just making your own basketball team to make that. <laughs> Let's be real with each other. The last five of his kids died. So we only had, you know, three, which would be Elizabeth, Sarah, and George in the end. Right. Um, and most of them died before wow. ni- 1692. And most of them died in the actual witch house. Huh. Corwin, through his whole life, he was involved in public affairs. He was an active magistrate. So that's a type of judge. I don't know who knows yeah. that and who doesn't know that. But a magistrate is actually considered, like, a kind of, like, low-level judge before judges were, like, a huge thing. Or it was, like, a lot more, like, schooling. Like, once we realized you actually had to be smart to be a judge or, like, a public (laughs) official, um, we had things called magistrates. And watch, somebody from Canada or, like, the UK is going to be like, um, we still have magistrates the one person, and they are smart. The one person who the one person Europe. from Europe who's listening, <laughs> they are going to comment and say, um, excuse, excuse me, me actually. <laughs> actually. And I'm going to be like, damn, you're right. I fucked up. I'm- but we're here now. This is my story and I'll tell it how I want. Okay. So he heard cases dealing with like petty bullshit. Uh, minor charges think burglary, uh, disorderly conduct, drunkenness all that good stuff like he wasn't doing your murder trials uh, until we get to the witch trials so 17 years after he bought this house um the witch trials started and first he actually went up to maine or new hampshire i believe i have a note here um but they had to go somewhere else to start these witch trial histories in new england so he kind of went and he sat on a staff of magistrates who were hearing different you know witch trials in new england he came back him and a buddy came back they brought all this fun new knowledge with them to salem and immediately went into we have witches we have to get rid of the witches so he and his friend and brother-in-law john haythorne yes the uncle of nathaniel Hawthorne. Yep. You want to tell the fun little fact? Because I love this fact. Fun fact. Nathaniel Hawthorne was extremely embarrassed because of his ancestor. So he added a letter to his name so that it sounds different. So Hawthorne as opposed to Haythorne. Fun fact. He facts. also picked that W to stand for wicked because that is what 
his ancestors were wicked. He he did not play. He did not play around. No, back then, that was a major slap in the face. He's like, bitch, fuck you. Nate was like, fuck this. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So that's what happens when you listen to a podcast from two English majors. Just saying. So uh, John Haythorne was another magistrate, and they started holding hearings early in March of 1692. They started with Tichuba, Sarah Good, and Sarah Osborne. Those were the first three people who were accused of witchcraft. In the early days of the investigations, it's thought that Corwin sometimes used his own home for, like, impromptu... Um, interviews, interrogations, little side meetings that went on, like, because this was not all above board. Let's be honest. There was torture. There was, you know, just throwing people in jail. Yep. Like, we don't do that now, again, because people are smart, and we think, or we like to think we're smart. Yeah. That's a better way to put it. We like to think we're smarter now. Because history um, repeats itself with this type of crap. Yeah. Let's let that one simmer. Mm. So Corwin served on the court of Oyer and Terminer, Terminer, um, and that was like the special court that was made specifically in Salem for the witch trials. And ultimately, it sent 19 people to the gallows, and yep. one was crushed to death More on weight. Orchard Street in the cemetery that's More there now. It's really fun. Giles Corey, man. Yeah. <sighs> Love him. Love okay, him. so Corwin remains on the bench for this, you know, Oyer and Terminer until October of 92 when the court was officially disbanded and a new court was set up. And, you know, Corwin and Haythorne, neither one of them were asked to be back on, like, the newer, better 2.0 witch trial They're like, court people. Goodbye. They're like, thank you. <laughs> we'll call you. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Out of two judges and 12 jurors, Corin was the only one who never apologized in any way, shape, or form for his participation in the persecution of witches in Salem. Another fun fact is that um, Bridget Bishop, I believe, was the last um, person who had died during the witch trials who actually had their... um, everything like expunged from their record in like the early 2000s like they finally like acquitted her or took it off of her like thing like in the like from the 1600s in the early 2000s they finally finished clearing these people's names on paper if that doesn't tell you how slow the government is i don't know what does (laughs) i mean like 300 years 400 years i i think okay I'm just throwing that out there. There's another fun fact for you. Um, after the witch trials were over, Corwin was appointed to the governor's council from the end of 1692 to 1714, and he served as a judge in the court of common pleas for Essex County. He was also nominated by Governor Joseph Dudley. I wonder if he's related to the Dudleys from the Dudleys in Dudley you know? Town. There were talks about having family in Massachusetts, but... And could you imagine if, like, the witch trials was the curse that hit that deadly? That's just... Mind blown. bad luck. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Governor Joseph Dudley um, nominated him to be an associate justice of the Superior Court um, following some dude's resignation 
And that's when he would he would hold that post until he died in 1718. So he basically, if I understand this correctly, he yeah no come at me screwed up, yeah. didn't apologize, and then he not was, even a little bit he was promoted. This is the government. Uh, I mean, are you surprised? I guess I shouldn't be, but I'm kind of a little. I mean, <laughs> look at Trump. He's like trying to run for president, and he should be in jail. But. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're just saying with that information it's just, as you see fit. Okay, so now let's talk about what's important: the house. So Corwin's house is the only remaining structure today in Salem with direct ties to the witch trials in 1692. So it is well over 300 years old right now. It's a museum that focuses on 17th century furnishings, architecture, and lifestyle. So that's where I learned. Um however many nails you had in your door, the nails were only superficial. There was no need for these nails, but the more nails you had in your door, it was like how much money you had, like how rich you were. So if you had a ton of those, you know how like when you see the old wooden doors, they have like those square iron nails nailed into them. That's really interesting. It's really one of those like stature things. Like I can afford all this iron, so I'm gonna put it on my door so you fucking know. So how you can't use it. Yeah, <laughs> like, all right. We did stupid shit to show people were rich back then. Like, look at this. Well, think name. about us in high school. I walked around with my coach bag and my Uggs and was like, I'm so special. I guess I just such a basic bitch. Okay, so in the 1940s, the city of Salem wanted to enlarge North Street, which is like their one of their main roads. So um, they wanted to demolish the old Corwin house. And everybody was like, no, they ended up raising $42,000 and saved two houses. Ooh. So they saved the Corwin house and then they saved the Bowditch house. Um, and they moved, like physically lifted them and moved them. So right now huh. the witch house stands... 35 feet back from its original location so like where the corner is like where it would have sat it would have been half on like the sidewalk and then in the street a little bit because they like widen the road so the historic preservation of this home um was beginning um they actually started historic salem incorporated in 1944 and that was again with the help of that forty two thousand dollars that was raised and the witch house officially opened as a museum and the first historic building for historic salem incorporated in 1948 and it is currently operated by the city of salem in conjunction with historic salem incorporated so fun things that were found in the house there's a cutout inside of the wall when you walk in and you will find there's a black shoe in the wall so that's an old superstition um if you keep a black shoe it's very superstitious. It wards off witches. So huh. this idea of the witch trials was actually even prior. Like you put that there to keep the witches out, and that that shoe like predated the witch trials. Huh. I never cool. heard of that. That's crazy. Um they also have witch bottles, which is a counter magic um instrument. <laughs> they contained urine, hair, pins, and fingernails. The witch Beautiful. bottle like the black shoe would protect the house from evil but unlike the black shoe the witch bottle would capture the evil before expelling it so up here in new england new england we're, we're just a special bunch up here so like i have a glass ball and it's literally like a blown glass orb 
Um, and it's called a witch ball. And a lot of times it's said that if the witch somehow like flying past your window, not on a broom, like if they're using their soul and like astral projecting, they would get enticed by this ball and be like, ooh, this ball is pretty. And then they get stuck in the ball. Kind of like dream catchers. Like how mm. they catch your nightmares, then you knock them into the garbage and then you like can put your thing. Same concept, but it's only catching okay. witches. Just like the sideways, if you look um, on a lot of New England architecture, you will see on like a peak, there's like a sideways window or it's like catty corner. That again is so that the witch be like can't get into your house because it's not straight on and it's fucked up. They can't figure out how to get. I don't know why that would stop the evil from getting into your house. But apparently by putting a window on its side or catty corner, it confuses the evil. And they say, this place isn't for me. And they keep going. (laughs) So this is the same thing. The urine was thought to attract the witch and the pins were thought to catch and contain her inside these bottles. It was like a quick, easy DIY. They Pinterest it. Um... (laughs) Before Pinterest. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure when they were sitting there in their knitting circle, somebody was like, this could be a good idea. And then we'll throw pins in it. Yeah. It'll keep them like, there. Oh, my God. Perfect. What a great idea. Wow. Then there's wow. the witch house. Ha- um, the witch house also possesses a pop, a poppet. So it's basically a doll. And it's like a very rudimentary doll figure. Like they took hay, they put it in some fabric and then kind of MacGyvered the fabric to look like a doll or a human form think rudimentary voodoo doll like that is mm-hmm. exactly what a pop it is um it was found in the nearby house of bridget bishop and it could retain they say it could retain residual energy from the salem witch trials because bridget was the first person executed yes as a witch so they did move that from Bridget's property to this house. And I think that was honestly during one of the interrogations. Like Corwin had it and was like, dude, did you make this? Is this what you're using to control people? Like shit like that. Okay. So now the haunting. This is my favorite. <laughs> so visitors of the Salem witch house report hearing disembodied voices, hearing footsteps, smelling strange odors, feeling chills hearing disembodied voices again specifically of a child like a little girl possibly the youngest accused witch during the trials that girl was four years old yeah dorothy mm-hmm. dorothy 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 <laughs> people have claimed to have been touched by unseen forces um there are also certain spots of the house which are cold colder people have seen apparitions full-bodied apparitions and some have also claimed to experience nausea headaches and dizziness while inside the house that checks um yeah just a quick adjacent haunting just down the road is the like main historic graveyard of salem like it's like down the street and to the right John Haythorne was buried there. I put Hawthorne. It's Haythorne. I fucked that up. Well, he's buried there. And every so often people have recalled or have seen him wandering between the witch house and that graveyard. So they've seen an apparition of who they think is John Haythorne going back and forth. Okay. So now 
our our buddies, our friends of the Ghost Adventures crew were there during season four. Zach and in the Baggins. <laughs> I'm Zach Baggins. Here in Salem, Massachusetts, where we're going to find the ghost of the witch. Okay. So Ghost Adventures went in season four. Don't ask me what episode because you know what? Fucking Discovery Plus screwed up all those episodes. They are not in order and it annoys the piss out of me. So, during the initial interview at the witch house, Zach asks Elizabeth Peterson, that's the director at the time, and Zach says they are the first paranormal investigators allowed in the witch house, which is absolutely true. This place has been so clean paranormal investigation-wise. Very few people are allowed. Because it's run by the city, you actually need to get permits and you need to go through this whole thing. That makes sense. So, they really jump through hoops to get in there. When asked if visitors ever report seeing, feeling anything in the house, Elizabeth explains that fun little list I gave you. And she also says that people get a lot of strange shapes in their pictures. I can't say I got that, but I'll talk about my experience later. Zach feels something ice cold and you do hear static in his microphone, which indicates that his mic pack battery is being drained. And then seconds later, it fully dies. He pulls out a voice uh, voice recorder and starts his EVP session on the fly. He introduces himself and explains the investigation and what's going on to the spirits, which is awesome. I love when he does that. Um, He asks if someone grabbed his hand and was using the energy from the battery pack and they receive an unexplained voice. It does sound like a female child, but you can't hear what it says. Hmm. It's like, "Ah," like that. And the chick, Elizabeth, is freaking out. Like, she's wringing her hand. She's doing... Like, you can tell she's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And it's not just because what's what they're currently doing. Like, she was uncomfortable. Um, Once the lockdown begins, they do their EMF sweep of the house. And again, this house is from 1692. It has been fitted for electric, but it's not like our house is today. Like, you can see where the wires are run. You can right. see what's going on. It's not like there's shit in the walls and we have to watch out for this like box and that but like it's not like that there's an emf spike the temperature drops to (laughs) 66.6 nick calls out a cold patch says he feels something moving around him zach says that there's something around him also because you know heaven forbid anything happened to anybody but zach um he says he feels emotions of someone else's and he feels sad the antenna has to be touched because the emf detector just goes nuts Zach says he doesn't feel good and an EVP is caught on the digital recorder. An unexplained voice, which does have a Boston accent. Like, you can hear it. It says, don't go in there. I don't have a Boston accent. I have a Jersey accent, so I can't do it. But yeah, you can audible, like, on the video, the EVP, you can hear it and it says, don't don't go in there. That that gave me chills. That That gave me chills. Yeah, I'm not okay. Um, and then as quickly as everything starts, it just dissipates. It dies. There's nothing else. And they're like, what the fuck happened? So then they bring in a witch and a warlock. And I just need to take a second. I thought warlock was a bad word. Like, I thought it was male and female witches. But, like, apparently everybody's saying witches and warlocks again. Like, that's bad. Yeah. I thought that th- I, I thought that, that was the male term for warlock or for witch. I thought that was, like, you calling someone an asshole in the Wiccan world. Like, they didn't oh. love the word warlock. Oh, no. I could be wrong. It's been known to happen, but I have really tried to purge that word from my vocabulary since I was, you know, in middle school or high school, whenever I first went to Salem and I heard that and I was like, oh, I don't want to offend people because I like this. Like, I don't want to piss them off. So I'm not going to say it. But he kept referring to this man as a warlock. So I was like, 
Maybe they're okay with it now. Maybe I misunderstood. But I didn't know if I was the only one. So if there's somebody else out there who thought that, please stand up so I don't feel like that dude in the corner. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so then they have the PX device out. They bring in the witch and the war- warlock, and they're going to do a ritual in hopes of making more activity. So the PX device, they pull that out, and it starts saying words. There's an orb caught on camera as the ritual is being performed. It was a pretty big orb, too. I remember that. Hmm. Um, and I wrote, this warlock's weird. Um, so after everybody's looking in the eyes of Robert, so the warlock brought this skull, and it's a human skull. It was missing the jawbone, but it's a human skull that they named Robert. Everybody looks in the eyes of Robert and the GAC all agree that the vibe changes. While the witch and warlock are still there, Zach brings out the spirit box. That's the one that sweeps the radio wave to make the ghosts speak better. And they have like an easier way of talking. So um, they ask, what is the name of the skull? A voice answers Robert. Zach asks, what's the name of the warlock? A voice answers Robert christian day which is correct his name oh my god his name is christian day um it says can you call one of our names in the group here and it responds which one like which person right i know i'm getting goose pimples now too your face oh my god and then there's one um the next question was can i ask you how you died and they said hanged then it's the person who just said you were hanged what is your name bridget the next question was, Bridget, what is your last name? Bishop. Bridget idiot. Bishop was the first of the accused mm-hmm. who was hanged for witchcraft. Mm-hmm. Um, the next question was, were you a real witch? And then the next thing is, witch. Like it says witch back. And it's very pronounced. It is witch. Hmm. And finally, the last question was, did you really practice witchcraft? And they say you hear I did or I didn't. Um, and they're like, you know, you really can't tell. I heard I didn't. Like, I did not. I right. didn't. That's what I heard. Um, so please go watch that episode. Like I said, it's on Discovery Plus. I'm sure it's on um, HBO Max. It's season four. I can't give you an actual episode number because they're all kind of funky. But you'll find it. It's a picture of Zach next to the um, witch Samantha from like Bewitched mm-hmm. on like her moon. It's a re- it honestly is a good episode. Even when they go to the Lyceum, it's fantastic because that's uh, the Lyceum is a restaurant or bar that um, is sitting on Bridget Bishop's land. What was Bridget Bishop's land? Because she had an apple orchard. So, mm-hmm. OK, so then I went on Reddit because we all know how much I love Reddit. And I found a couple of people who had gone there. So I'm only going to read a couple of them. Um, one guy went. Yep, walked in and felt, I can't explain. It was enough to make me walk back out. It was like being smothered with a weighted blanket. Another one, who is this? Clobo Baggins 7. I wonder who she wants to marry. Uh, the times I've experienced that dizzy high pressure feeling is anytime I'm in the area with low vibration energy or I'm having a negative experience with an entity. It would make sense with the historical background, I suppose. Mm. Um, one of the most haunted places in Salem, the room began to whirl and spin as well as feeling ill while in the home itself, especially in the master bedroom. Um, I went with my boyfriend for the first time ever, uh, early during the day. I thought it was awesome. I really did enjoy it. But as soon as I walked in, a weight came over me and all of a sudden felt a heavy 
And then I felt as if something freezing cold was wrapped around my legs. I walked through the gift shop into the hallway and all of a sudden I felt extremely sick to my stomach. I can't even explain it. As I went through, I started to feel more and more dizzy and began to feel shaky. When I was in the kitchen, it felt as though something had brushed against my leg. I had to leave as soon as we were done. And while walking back through the hallway to the gift shop, I felt like something just all of a sudden hit me with even more dizziness. I felt like I was going to faint instantly and lost my balance. This place is very haunted. I don't really know if anyone else has felt this way, but I felt awful in there. It could have been a bad spirit or bad energy. Mm -hmm. I really don't know but I've never felt like this ever. I have the ability to see and feel things always have, but never felt so sick out of nowhere. Hmm. When I finally left, I felt normal again. I love this place, but probably cannot handle going back. It drained me of everything. Um, The house itself dates back to the 1600s or so. Even without the darkness of the witch trials, it still has a lot of history. Also, there is a negative presence in the house. Um, If someone was sensitive to it they would feel it regardless of whether or not they knew the history so Hmm. there's a lot of stuff going on there so ken and i went a few years back um and we walked in and you know you started looking around and i definitely did like you feel it's not heavy it's i can't say it's heavy it definitely felt busy to me like there were Mm -hmm. things going on that you know were not on the surface so we walked in and we started walking around I we went upstairs because you can go upstairs and see the bedrooms. And while I was looking up into the like the the ceiling isn't fully closed. Like it's not like a sheetrock ceiling. It's like little planks of wood. And that's what they use as the ceiling. So you can kind of see between them. So as I was looking up, I saw something moving upstairs. I heard footsteps. I knew something was above me and there's nothing that should be up there. Cause I even yeah. asked, is there a way to get to the attic? Can people be in the attic? Is there an office in the attic? It's not that it's more of a crawl space, but they're like, it was not an animal. I heard audible footsteps and I saw something moving in between the cracks and I was looking up and Ken's like, what is that? Like, what's going on? What are you looking at? And I'm like, there's something up there. Mm-hmm. Like I definitely, felt like some cold spots as I was walking through and I am sensitive and there are times where like I don't know how to explain it like you just see a picture in your mind like it just kind of comes in and you don't really understand where why what how and I'm sure like if I actually worked on this stuff I could Mm -hmm. control it and figure it out but you know who has time it's 2023 (laughs) I definitely saw like a woman in the house bent over crying and there were men in the room with her but it was like a flash image like a oh okay so it wasn't like you know i saw like uh, that's so raven where she's like and she gets like a whole thing it was really just a flash of a picture of a woman it was definitely that period 1600 type clothing um and she was dubbed over hysterically sobbing in that house so that was my experience I don't know how other people have been. I did read you a couple things on Reddit. But right now, if you go visit, if you go visit, it's located at 310 and a half because they moved it. So they gave right, it a half so address. 310 and a half Essex Street, Salem, Mass. The hours of operation are Monday through Sunday, 12 a.m. to 430. The last entry is at 4 p.m. I think it's supposed to be like 10 a.m. or 9 a.m. Who opens up at midnight? But I Yeah, I think you're... I think that was wrong on Google. 
Uh, you can purchase tickets for the self-guided tour of the house online for $9. If you go between October 1st and November 15th, you still need to make reservations. Mm-hmm. Like, even before COVID, like, you had to make reservations. It just gets so yeah, crowded there. Yeah, it's so crowded that time of year. And there are ghost tours that walk past the house, but there are no ghost tours that will take you into the house. So just mm-hmm. keep that in mind as you are um if you're going to do a ghost tour or anything like that and they say well, we go into the witch house they don't they don't yeah. they're not allowed to they, they can be on the, the tour- property they yeah. can walk in front but they cannot go inside most of the and tours don't go into houses or anything they walk yeah. on the property that's all yeah and i gotta tell you there are so many houses that i can cover in salem but they're so good that one right there is the john corwin house also known as the witch house in salem i love it massachusetts thank you for coming to my (laughs) db squared talk i love it i love it i love salem and like that's i love salem there's so much history and i think Mm -hmm. that's also when people say that that's that's where you know you're gonna find the most energy it's like yeah because there's a lot of there's a lot of shit there's just so much shit jesus Okay, Jen, regale me. What are we talking about? All right. So I originally told Sam that I I told her to watch the documentary series, um, but she's like, nope, want to hear your take first. So we are going to be covering Dr. Christopher Dunch, also known as Dr. Death. There is a fantastic series based on this entire thing on peacock and uh, oh my God, christian and joshua jackson and christian slater Casey. oh my god christian slater is oh amazing god. in this role as one of the doctors it was so good i was like this is crazy there i actually got most of my information came from a bunch of different podcasts because every single person and every single podcast I looked at they've done this in either two parts they've done this in hour-long episodes so I there's no way I can do everything so I'm just going to do a very brief overview and if so we're gonna do like a 101 yeah so this is just a quick intro to Dr. Death and if again people kind of want to know a little bit more I recommend doing the Peacock series because it is so awesome like i can't recommend that series i i got peacock and that was the that was the first thing that i watched i was like this is happening um so let me give you some background on our friend christopher dunch um he was born in montana and he grew up in tennessee he played football but he was not super good at it um (laughs) so that's he just he wanted to be um he his goal was to go to a D1 college and division one is the highest level of competition between college divisions. Usually a division one college is the one that has the bigger schools or the bigger budgets. So when you play sports and you want to get recruited to go into, you know, the NFL or MLB, like that's, you want a D1 school. Well, he wasn't good enough because he just didn't he just didn't have it. And that's, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. So he attended Miss... Millsaps College, which is a D3 school, and he eventually oh, transferred. D3 school? Oh. He eventually yeah. transferred to Colorado State University. Okay. Great school. Um, he did play, but not very often. And his teammates and coaches had said about him that he trained really hard. He just lacked the talent. 
And that is a huge foreshadow for the rest of this case because it's okay, kind of we like we hate him, right? Yeah, no, like, he's are we off the bat. We know he's we hate him. absolutely. I'm gonna interchange his name with like Doctor Death, Doctor D, Chris. I'm Dick gonna head. go all over. Yeah, like we can kind of. It's on. It's all in the same realm. So. As long as I know that we don't like him. Like, no, absolutely. I kind of thought that's. I mean, when you see Joshua Jackson laying him, it's kind of That's the problem, like but him. he does such a nice job. Oh, my God. But the <sighs> thing is, when Joshua Jackson plays him, it's kind of the same type of guy because he's very charismatic. He's very likable. And that's yeah. the whole thing. And that's why everyone was like, the fuck is going on with this guy? So Chris decided, okay, football I can't do, but I'm going to go into a career in medicine. So he actually did very well. He completed his undergraduate in 1995. And then he continued into an MD, PhD program where he completed um, everything else along with a neurosurgery residency. So neurosurgery neurosurgery that's smart people shit yeah so he it was at the university of tennessee health and science center um and he also had a spine fellowship program so he actually uh, tried to specify and again neurosurgery and like spinal type of stuff which typically okay in order to finish your residency and begin surgeries you need to participate in over a thousand surgeries which makes sense it makes sense because a thousand yes would you like to take a guess at how many this fucker completed 10 12 15 no. 15 15 is my final it's answer it's more than 15 but it was okay, 300 under a hundred so it could have been 15 it could have been 15 <laughs> Could have been fifteen. I could have been right. But Under a hundred—that's less than ten percent of what he was supposed to do. Yes, yes. That sounds like a really bad time. Who so, thought that was a good idea? Th- this ball gets dropped so many times in this place that you're like, who is paying attention? And it's like, scary. Now, if that's how it was, I probably could have been a doctor. I mean, I don't want to be, but I probably. But that's could the thing. Been. If you could, if again, like it makes sense to me. Like a thousand. It seems a little high, but at the same time, these people are, are surgeons, okay? They're going yeah. in and they're taking out things and putting in things and, you know, they're saving people's lives. You want someone to have a lot of experience. So when That's fair. it was tallied up that he did less than 100, you're like, how did he get past go at this point? But there's a lot of, a lot of shit, so... Now, after graduating and doing all the stuff, he focused his research on stem cells. And in 2006, this led him to work with two Russian stem cell scientists, um, Valery Kukakov. Nah, I killed it. And, killed it. and Tatiana um, Ignatoria. Absolutely. Sure. Right. So. Either way, mm-hmm. they worked to file a patent for technology and they worked to raise money for the company he called Dysgenics. So again, good cause was really into it. However, okay. he filled out the patent, but he didn't invent it. The other two scientists did. So he was just filling out paperwork like, oh, yeah, I did this. And they're like, no, you didn't. What a dick. Right? So I don't like him. That's fine. Now, the major thing about this is that in 
2011, he was sued by the former chief operating officer and he was removed from his role at Dysgenics and his board seat. So that was just 2011. Like he, he this put is like, is this guy still alive? Yes. <gasps> oh, okay. Yes. I don't know why I kept going like this is in like the 70s. But no, like, no, this is recent. This you is... said 90, and I was like, that doesn't sound right. And then you said yeah. the 2000s. I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. This is like, yeah. And he, how did he get through not doing everything he was supposed to? I know you're going to tell uh-huh. me. I'm sorry. Continue. It's, it's a mystery. So today, is though, it? despite the crap that he pulled and the, and the you know, kind of having his name attached to this eventually wasn't really a great thing, the company did complete several rounds of funding and conducted trials on people in the U.S. and Japan. So they're doing pretty Ooh, good. So okay. they dropped his name. Trial. Yeah, the they dropped his name and they're like, cool, we're going to make it work because technically he didn't invent anything. He was just very interested in the project. Which is fine. You just can't put your name on something that you're just interested in. It doesn't work that way. So Chris, when he did get out of school, um, he started finishing research. But he was in debt because of school over $500,000 because medical school's expensive, you know. Um, so he needed a res- residency like ASAP. Okay. I don't understand the medical field. I'm not a science person. I'm sorry. So. <laughs> You're doing great. Disclaimer. I, mean, I don't understand it either. So. He went into the neurosurgery field because, again, it's going to make you the most money. And he eventually got his residency at Baylor Regional Medical Center in Dallas. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Baylor. That's a yeah. good one. So he Baylor. moved to Dallas because. Bye. Yeah. You got to. So. Even in his early career, okay, when he first started out, he didn't seem to make a great impression on his co-workers. Some of them said he was very arrogant and he tended to boast about his abilities despite being new. Randall Kirby, who we're going to come up with him later, he was he's a Christian Slater plays him, mm-hmm. um, is a veteran vascular surgeon who worked with Dr. Dunch and said it seemed Chris had no idea what he was doing. Quote, he could not wield a scalpel. It was uncomfortable to be in the rooms with him, especially because there were many times when Kirby and other doctors would be assisting and then have to finish the procedure for him because he just didn't seem to you know yeah so anyway that's just here we are so chris would get my beer yeah (laughs) chris would get into arguments with doctors while he was operating um he had disagreements with nurses on patient safety again in the operating room he would be late to surgeries just whatever um and as in as in 2011 um, he did complete a surgery. Like there are oftentimes he'd complete a surgery, but the aftercare, he just didn't go see the patient afterwards. And he was what? just like missing. Um, in one case, he went away for a long weekend. He performed a surgery on somebody, went away to Vegas for the entire weekend. He, he was being paged all weekend because you need to check on your patients after a surgery um yeah. and then when he did finally come back his uh co-workers were like where the fuck were you and he's like oh i was in vegas i thought i could do that what this isn't like i'm you don't work what at a, yeah so this is real life mm-hmm. fuck yeah. that guy it's very I don't like now it. it was also suggested by co-workers that he used cocaine 
and drank heavily, sometimes come, uh, coming into surgeries with dilated pupils and acting very fidgety. So suggesting... But wait, you're about to cut another human open. I think I'd be a little fidgety. No? Like, don't you... Like, <sighs> like, but if you uh, know I what know you're I don't doing, want my surgeon to be, yeah, I know I don't want my surgeon you know, to do that, but I think I'd be nervous. Yeah, I think, but I think if you know what you're doing and like, and usually the the surgeries that he performed were very kind of routine, um, or should have been. So when he walks in and he's kind of fidgety and he's arguing and he kind of looks a little out of it, they're like, is he on some kind of drugs? And like, it's yeah. So in 2012. Dr. Kirby watched Dr. Dunch botch a simple surgery because he refused to use a scalpel um, to remove a disc. And the tool that he did use after being questioned um, actually caused more damage. So this particular <gasps> patient today continues to walk with a cane and is in chronic pain because of the botch. Oh, my botch. God. This is going to come up a lot, and there's too many patients that have very specific things. So I'm really only going to probably talk about two major cases that he really fucked. Um, the rest are, are incredibly terrible as well, but because you could go on for two episodes. There's a really great podcast that I, they had two episodes on him, just full on and talked about the surgeries oh in depth God. so and they actually had a professional surgeon on to say hey say here's what he did wrong and here's what so like kind of going back and forth it was really really interesting because he explained a lot of the health things to me that i don't understand so <laughs> that was nice like somebody was able to dumb it down for a yeah they were like us. so this is basically what and i was like this is helpful yeah. i like it um, after that, the continued allegations of abusing drugs he was regulated to minor surgeries so he couldn't do major surgeries because they were like, okay, we're in the process of trying to figure this whole thing out. But he still continued to botch the simple surgeries as well. They tried to give him a drug test, which he ended up getting out of because he disappeared for several days. And then he was huh. sent to a program for impaired physicians and then he was closely supervised. So after he did resurface, they were like, okay, we're just going to kind of like demote you type of thing. And just supervise you instead of giving him a drug test to clarify, like, hey, you were on, you're on some kind of drug. Um, wow. Now, Baylor, because of all of this, was going to conduct an investigation because so many allegations came, so many doctors, nurses, you know, brought this up. But Chris voluntarily resigned in April 2012. So... Because he voluntarily resigned, okay, are we ready for this? I'm ready. He did not have to report his actions to the National Practitioner's Database. What the National Practitioner's Database is, is they are a resource for medical professionals and hospital um, admissions to use to keep track of their doctors who were fired, suspended, their license was revoked, they need to pay um, uh, malpractice payments, but he wasn't reported because he voluntarily resigned. So all of those botched surgeries didn't get reported to the, da the data bank. Right the fuck off. That's bullshit. Yeah. That is so. such bullshit. Like, that's something, again, that's something you think you'd hear in, like, the turn of the century. Man, the 60s and 70s, 
it was like the wild wild west and so many different things yep. i can even accept it then i don't love mm-hmm. it but i can accept it but in the 2000s 2012 people are still getting no i don't like that do better medical yeah family do better do fucking better i learned that from a girl at work do fucking better mm-hmm now, according to ProPublica.com, because I, again, looked up into the whole thing, neurosurgeons are worth millions in revenue for hospitals. So Dr. Dunch was able to get operating privileges at a string of Dallas area institutions. So because he was never he reported. He stayed in Texas after this shit? Yes. Not only did he stay in Texas, they, the, all of the botched bullshit wasn't reported because he resigned. He didn't get fired. He resigned. Fuck. So, oh my god, I hate it. I hate it. And Baylor kind of went okay, and just there it is. Like not okay. my problem anymore. He left. They got such a shit storm after this whole bullshit because I'm they sure were like, they did. bro. And I'm now sitting te- here thinking Baylor's on the up and up all the time. I mean, the well, school is so renowned. I think hospital. I think that nowadays the whole thing with it, this this You're all lagging. changed, but. It makes sense because neurosurgeons are worth a lot of money. They make a lot of money. They do a lot of like things that, you know, are, are very life changing. So they so it's very easy for doctors to kind of go and get residency at other places, especially when you don't. And apparently Tell anybody his recommendations were like weren't bad to the point where the other uh, hospitals were kind of like we didn't people fucking wrote recommendations what the fuck people wrote him a recommendation suck my dick whoever did that you're part of the fucking problem yeah I don't even know what this fucking ends as but whatever it is I know you're part of the fucking problem do better so most chose in this particular situation to spare themselves the hassle of exposure of firing him outright so they allowed him to resign keeping his reputation at the same time they didn't have to do the paperwork because once they fire somebody they have to do the whole rigmarole of like going through the whole system so they chose you know what he's going to resign fine whatever we're done we're done with him meanwhile there are so many patients that suffered after so it's kind of like bro like there should have been don't like that so he went to dallas medical center um and he was allowed to begin operating almost immediately the hospital wasn't suspicious because, again, the Texas medical school that he had gone to gave him recommendations. Um, and they only said the one area to improve upon was he took on too many tasks for one person. They didn't say anything out of the ordinary to make the Dallas Medical Center go, OK, what are we getting ourselves into? So they just went with it. Makes sense. In July, he performed an operation on a woman who would later die of blood loss after being transferred to another hospital. Like, during the surgery? I'm sorry. During the surgery, she, like, lost too much blood? Yes. Like, he couldn't stop the blood, the bleeding, because he did too many. And he did, like, mostly back stuff, like, with herniated discs and, like, ruptured discs and shit like that, right? Okay. Yeah. How do you lose too much blood from that? He found a way. What the fuck are you doing? He found a fucking way. And it's... So despite his patient's recovery being another mess, he worked on another patient instead of tending to her. So during this time, this patient was recovering from surgery. 
something went wrong and it was leading to the blood loss. Okay. So despite that being an issue, so he didn't wasn't even on the table. He didn't like, even is- go. <gasps> he didn't even go to tend to her. He was in another surgery. What the fuck? I hate him. Staff said, quote, he was putting hardware in the wrong places and noticed he kept drilling and removing screws. So, like, it seemed as though he had no clue what he was doing. He was just kind of, like, fumbling around. Um, in the meantime, the other patient who is dying of blood loss and all of the recovering, he's with another patient at pretty much the same time. So everyone's dealing with her. Meanwhile, he's in a surgery choosing to be with another patient rather than dealing with that situation. So it's just, um, Okay. So like how I, I know you are definitely a medical professional who knows all the ins and outs of every single type of surgery and every single type of hospital across the world. I know this for a fact, Jen. Um, now, I am someone who unfortunately has had to go under the knife multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, like, so if somebody was, say, like doing my ankle surgery, when I had my ankle surgery, I know my doctor had two or three surgeries scheduled for that day. Mm -hmm. Now, when you're saying he chose to stay, like, how does, do you, I was being facetious. Do you actually know, like, how that fucking works? Like, in this case, yeah, she already was declining and he had the schedule or he had the surgery scheduled for the other person. So he could have pushed it he off. He could have like, said, hey, you know what, we got it. Yeah, we got a problem. I'm going to work you. with one thing. So because you can, yeah. that's why surgery sometimes don't go. Well, that's why they give you like time six hours each one. Absolutely. Because that's they want to like, make sure they go in with you because they have to tend to you after and make sure everything went okay. Now, he didn't do that. Again, she ended up dying from blood loss, which. Dick. Yeah. So Fuck this guy. the Texas Medical Board began getting reports of his botched surgeries and Dr. Kirby and now Dr. Robert Henderson, who is Alec Baldwin, continued Alec Baldwin. to send complaints to them being like, hey, this guy. So these are know. his colleagues who are complaining. Former are his colleagues complaining or, too? I mean, it's it's obvious Can that anybody they complained. It's obvious that the problems that he caused, but it's kind of like the. I don't know if it's like the patients are kind of like, well, things just happen. Um, we understand. Or if they're like, we're going to sue the hospital because, you know, kind of how they go. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't know. That. Yeah. yeah. So they would go with that instead of okay. like the doctor. But in the meantime, Dr. Kirby and Dr. Henderson were like this guy. So Henderson was asked to come in. And this is where it all started with how he got involved. He was asked to come in after a few of um chris's surgeries for mistakes because mistakes had been made and he had to have them go under the knife again to try to fix it oh there's nothing worse so both kirby and henderson were like bro you got it like this this can't happen he's he's going to do worse so his last surgery and i'm going to actually get into a little bit of this because this is like how things kind of went awry um was at the university hospital um Guildwell, last name. I didn't get his first name because I'm an idiot and I didn't check the thing. <laughs> um, Yo, this bro. He, uh-huh, that guy. he went in for a surgery to help ease his neck and back pain. So Dr. D mistook part of his neck muscle for a tumor. And after he, you know, ripped it out, 
Um, he abandoned the surgery halfway through after cutting his vocal cords, puncturing an artery, and putting a hole in his esophagus. He stuffed the sponge in the wound and sewed him up. Ha! 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 Time out. So this human... Yep. Lay, he's laying face down. Like, because you're looking at the back of the he- the neck and the back. You, you probably have to, I would assume. So right? I would assume he's face down, ass up. Yeah. Okay. How the fuck did you get to my vocal cords? Yep. That's in the front. Like, how did right. you get there? Like, I don't know anything about the other shit you just said. But right. I know your vocal cords are like. And your esophagus part. is here. Yes. So That's how. What you swallow with. How did you even get get there so he took yeah. a sponge shoved it in until it stopped like, the bleeding oh, and was like yep we're fine but you didn't even like sew or like cauterize anything no. oh i don't i'm i'm sweating like so, i have under boob sweat happening <laughs> so kirby was actually asked to help because they're like hey this guy came in now the patient spent four days in intensive care And months he had to spend in rehab for the hole in his esophagus because, unfortunately, he did try to fix stuff. But you can't once you cut something, you can't easily, especially like a vocal cord situation. So measure twice, cut once. Yeah. So he's still. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. This just got way too serious. I know. I I know. So this patient still to this day can only eat. In like the smallest bites and has permanent nerve damage that can't be reversed. So unfortunately, even though Dr. Kirby came in and again, Dr. Henderson comes in and they try, they can't fix it completely. It can't go back because he fucked up so bad. So by the time he did this, this was his last surgery. So by the time he did this, the state medical board had been investigating him for 10 months prior if you're under investigation, you should not be touching other people. You shouldn't allow I him said it. to touch I other people. I fucking said it. If you're under investigation, why do you get to keep working on people? No. Agreed. I don't know anything about being a doctor. That one, as a layperson, I vote no. Where's my ballot? I want to vote no. <laughs> Dr. Henderson had called the lead investigator six months earlier earlier to say you need to do this faster so he begged him you need to but it didn't again he this was his last surgery unfortunately the guy is permanently damaged because of it um kirby had sent a five page letter june 2013 after what happened in that last surgery and he said just a couple of things let me be blunt christopher dunch is an impaired physician a psychopath and must be stopped from practicing medicine so this was like, like directly after yeah oh and no he's is, great this is christian slater, christian slater. oh my Alec god Baldwin. yeah this yep. is christian slater you got i'm in now that was in July, okay, when after the surgery happened and he immediately sent the letter to be like, hey, you, you gotta, you know, um, the fuck ups by the board, unfortunately, they never handled the case. The, the reasoning why it's kind of like similar to when we were talking on Patreon about John Benet Ramsey um, and how the police kind of didn't know how to deal with it. The board didn't have never dealt with a case like this. So this is kind of where they were like, oh, do, 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 do. but it took well, them a long would? time. 
Who would think that this would happen? You think, I, I understand that most surgeons specifically are some type of sociopath or psychopath because you kind of need to be able to do that to like compartmentalize, right. to cut into another human and potentially take their life in your hands. Yeah. So why would you ever even think that somebody would maliciously go 500K in debt to become a quote unquote doctor just yeah. to cut people up? Like, I can totally understand how this was a once in a lifetime issue. Yeah. And I mean, I know there were different doctor deaths, but. In oh, this absolutely. This was like this. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. No, I hear what you're situations, saying. Like each state, each person, each country, like every time something like this happens, an angel of death, a doctor death, it just throws everything for mm-hmm. a loop. Yeah. And it just makes oh you not want to go to the doctor and trust them ever again. But I'm sure, again, like this, this literally was like a once in a lifetime thing where the board is like, I, we've never, we don't know how to deal with it. So it wasn't until December so July is when the letter came in. July is when the surgery happened. December 2013, the board revoked his license. It took five months. It took five months. It took five months. And he was already under investigation for 10 months. Yes. Now, he didn't perform any other surgeries after that time because they probably were like, hey, so um, let's let's put the pause button on that. But at the same time, it took until December for them to be like, we're taking your license away. So um, he moved back to Colorado. He ended up having to file for bankruptcy and slowly, emphasis on slowly, they started to build this case against him because they were like, he's killed people. Um, They're dead people because of him. Yes. And the numbers are going to kind of be a little bit shocking. And then I'm going to get into his one of his most shocking things. He was indicted on five counts of aggravated assault and one count of causing harm to an elderly person because... The person he had, one of the people who he had killed, was in her seventies. So this was the elder, like um, elder know, abuse type. Yes. Yeah. Um, so he, she died obviously from all of the stuff. But that was the big case that they were like, okay, let's. So they tried to figure out what was the most, what what counts they can get him the most on, like what he can go for jail in jail the most for. So he total, Doctor Dunch, operated on. 37 patients in Dallas over in two years. Okay. He still hasn't hit a thousand yet though. Nope. <laughs> 33 were hurt or harmed in the process. Oh no. Two patients died. One of them from blood loss and one from a stroke caused by a cut to a vertebrae arm artery. <gasps> oh no. Yeah. So he was indicted and he has and he's in there for life in prison which is where he needs to be thank god um but i wanted to tell this particular surgery that he did because it was on one of his friends what isn't that like a conflict of interest like you shouldn't like work on your friends and family like i thought like you you know so Chris was friends with Jerry Summers. They both went to high school together. They played football together. Jerry actually had chronic back pain from a football injury, and it actually worsened after a car accident. So he always said, and he was like a big supporter. He was a huge cheerleader for for Chris, and he was like, yeah, you're going to do great things. You're going to be an amazing surgeon and all that. Um, So he actually, when Chris did get his residency at Baylor, he moved to Dallas to be closer so that Chris could perform the surgery. 
So, um, 2012, because um, Dunch did perform the surgery, um, he was left paralyzed from the neck. <gasps> They're not friends anymore. <laughs> so. Oh, my God. He damaged a vertebral artery, causing it to bleed almost uncontrollably. So to stop the bleeding, Chris packed the space with an anto anticoagulant, which is meant coagulant. to yeah, which is meant to because I didn't know what it like what that looked like, but it's meant to lower the blood pressure and use to push back excessive bleeding. However, too much of it he squeezed into the spinal area so it caused him to be paralyzed from the neck down oh um, my god after his surgery he was in the icu and chris never came to check on him ever after the surgery not at all what a horrible um, human yeah he felt so of course his friend felt depressed he was angry he actually made false statements to nurses that the night before they were doing drugs together and he was like i didn't that's completely false we didn't do that but i i felt abandoned that was that it wasn't necessarily true the statement was only so that he might hear it and go let me get my ass down there um, yeah, unfortunately, it never happened. Like, if you see like newer interviews, it seems that he's come to peace with it, but it's taken a very long time. And there well, were times I mean, the guy's paralyzed. Yeah, going from like I have chronic back pain to now I can't do use anything ever again. So um, it's it, he went through a time, and oh, he God. also when people like interviewed him, it was very interesting because he was very again he was very much on team team chris for a while and he even after his surgery he's like i don't he didn't do it maliciously and that's that's the whole thing that was really interesting about this case and that's really why i chose this one in particular because i heard it originally on wondery had their dr death series which it's not on spotify anymore season one and it was all this this was all his cases but it's not malicious he just like thought he was better than he was i was gonna ask that like it, did he do this purposefully no. or is it just neglect and i think it was just again he got into when he got started making money he had issues with like his his girlfriend his he had a mistress he was out of his fucking mind he was definitely doing cocaine he was definitely over overly drinking um and he just didn't seem to care so that's why when people went in and after surgery and he was supposed to check on them and he's like, oh, I didn't, you know, I, I figured I could do that. And they're like, you have a patient. You just, you can't just go off to Vegas for a weekend and then just, you know, do blow and freaking like just yeah. get drunk. Like you have like, to do that on your time, not when other people are counting on you. Right. That's why I just found it so Ooh. interesting because the more and that's, I think, the reason why they had to build the case and they took so long to do it was because of the fact that this wasn't like he wasn't intentionally trying to murder people. It was, it. again, going all the way back to his football career where he trained really hard, but he just didn't have it as much yeah. as other people did. He did what he needed to do he did the dysgenics thing he did all the stuff but like he didn't have it and when people were trying to call him on it he got very arrogant and he got very pissed off because he's like i'm better than i am so unfortunately this was one of those those cases where one there's so many like underlying things to it so like absolutely 
the uh, Peacock series does a really great job. The podcast I listen to is Medical Murders, and they have okay. a two-part on him. Wicked and Grim, they're great. Um, they're Canadian. And they're fun. They oh, seem like hey. fun people. So, and they did an entire hour's worth on him. And it's just, it's so many layers to his story. Like, I get why they had to build this case for so long. And then on the other side of that, you're like, the, the, the medical board has to take responsibility for some of this too. So it just sucks because I, people are already terrified to go under the knife. Absolutely. And this shit, you're like, fuck that. I'll take my chances. <laughs> it's almost like, I don't. I don't know what's worse. The fact that he knew and didn't do something himself about it. Right. Or the fact that it, like you said, it took so long for the medical board to investigate. To do something about it. Like, even if he was blind to his own faults, which a lot of people are. Yep. You know, like you said, he was arrogant. He thought he was better than he was. Like, even if he couldn't see the forest for the trees... There were so many people, it sounds like, that were complaining or putting in complaints or being like, hey, heads up, this guy's not okay. And the fact that other people like Baylor were just like, nope, not our problem. He resigned. He resigned. It's not our problem because we have to do more paperwork if we actually go into it. And it's like. That's a lot of missed opportunities to save lives. Yeah. And don't like Like, that. The the 33 people that he, again, he only killed two okay but those two people were coming in for like almost routine type of things and then ended up having strokes and dying of blood loss and then you have the 33 others who are permanently damaged from whatever he did and it's just it's so like this is just a horror show and it's like i don't know you know i i do not like it no and I'm going to tell you what I learned from today. Okay. I what am going to. What did we to... learn? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what did we learn on death before booze? Um, we and learned. Uh, if ever I go back under the knife, which I really hope I don't have to, I quadruple check that mm-hmm. they had the right amount of surgeries. Yeah. Before they started cutting me. And also. That I really don't like the idea of peeing in a jug and putting pins in it to yeah, make sure gross. that a witch gets stuck. I'll just stick with my witch ball. That's really um, gross. Yeah. I think those are the two things I'm going to take away from today. Mm-hmm. I think I, yeah, the, the peeing in the jug thing was very um, eye-opening. I didn't think that that was. Yeah, I hated it. Bleh. I didn't like that. Bleh. And also that it is more terrifying than ever to go into a hospital because then you're like and there's always a bad apple in every bunch and you're kind of like okay not everybody is bad but after listening to this there are many different um uh, wondery does many different series on different doctors this is not really this is not the only doctor death i have heard of i'm gonna be honest i couldn't name them if i wanted to but i have heard of other people being referred to as dr death or an angel Mm -hmm. of death I yep. think Angel of Death is left more for nurses. Yeah, I mean, who are like me. you're trying to be, you know. Yeah, but, but Dr. Kevorkian was considered a mm-hmm. an angel of death. Yes, but um, 
Yeah, I just, I, there's been, and the fact that I, I listened to this, like, like a, a couple years ago, I listened to the Wondery podcast on it, and then they came up, they're like, oh, season two and season three, and I'm like, there's more people? Like, it's just, it just is very unsettling. Yeah. I'm unsettled. I don't like on it. Very, on various like it. reasonings. <laughs> I don't like it. Nope. I don't like him. I don't like this. I really like. I hate to God have goose pimples. Like this I'm one's hard. The fuck Th- that out. one was hard. That's um, hard. That was a bad one. It I was mean, hard. C- you did a good job. Like <laughs> what you did is not bad. What you did is fantastic. It's it's, it's hard That's to go hard, like. It's a hard pill to swallow to think you're going to someone who's going to help you, and even as you're saying like their intention was correct, their talent and yeah, it was not there. Was not there. I don't like it don't like that somebody should have said um hun um like your guidance counselor hun you're doing a good job you just you're really you reach for the stars unfortunately this just is not the path for you let's reach a little lower throat yeah <laughs> let's let's go a little how about we just become a gp where the most you have to do is prick somebody's finger yeah I, like can, it, we, can we pull it back like dream big but not that big but not yeah a little the not the brightest star, but maybe the one underneath it is. is yeah, it's, I'm not it's saying you okay. can't be a doctor. I'm just saying don't no. cut people open. I mean, he did graduate, so like he I, was so smart enough to do it enough. Absolutely, but I don't like it at all. If you get anything from this, like please watch that series. It's so good. It's so good. I cannot wait to finish it now that you've it's told so the story. Good. Oh, so thank well, you. Thanks, I know guys. we thanked you all a million times this morning. Uh, this morning at the top. Um, but thank you so much. Uh, please make sure you're following our Facebook and Instagram. Uh, I know in the new year we are going to do some sort of raffle or yep, yep. Um, something of that nature. So keep an eye out for those details. They should be coming out soon after this episode airs. Um, make sure you rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend. We do have um, a few five star reviews on Spotify. So whoever did that, thank you so much. Yeah, Please continue thanks, to guys. do things like that. Again, it just helps get our name out there for other people to find us so we can keep going. Um, we got new merch. Like check out the merch. Every other day we're putting out new merch. Yeah, seriously. And I cannot stop. I love uh, it. Make sure you visit our website. Again, you can find our merch and our Patreon links there. So if you want to hear about Jean Bonnet and all the other stuff we have going on in the background, it's all on Patreon. And I'm going to say this again, folks. I haven't seen your creepy, crazy stories, and I'm ready to start doing listener stories. So somebody better send me something. I'm just saying. Also, we had some amazing pictures at a photo shoot that we are going to be putting <gasps> up on our on our website. So please stay stay tuned. Stay um, tuned. We teased some of them, but like it's it was so much fun, and we're updating the website. It's going to be so much fun. So stay tuned. Okay. So one last time, thank you so much for 2023 and supporting us. And here we go into a new 2024. Write down your goals. I hope we're there with you. And you know come back again yeah give us some love we love you (laughs) bye 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 guys stay spooky